implementation of our New Covenant Christianity. Um, but it is testimony and sharing Sunday, so we want to give some space for that as well. So has anyone got a testimony of what Jesus has been doing in their life over the last few weeks? Anybody? Anybody? Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Well, Rob and I went on our honeymoon. It was lovely. Thank you. Um, We went to Early Beach, and um, on our way home from air one day, we actually saw these old people with a caravan. And um, the guy would have been probably... Oh, 80 years old or something. He was as old as my dad anyway. And Well, my dad's 80. <laughs> anyway, he was um, underneath his caravan. They'd blown a tyre and they were right on the white line where they'd pulled over. Um, and I said to Rob, oh, God, we've got to stop. We can't just keep going. We've got to stop and help them. So we turned around, pulled up, and the poor guy was under there with just a bottle jack under the back of his caravan. Anyway, I looked at that looked at where he was parked and thought, this guy would have been crushed if we didn't stop and help him. Because the wind coming from the semis that were going past would have pushed it off that bottle jack and it would have fell on top of him. Anyway, we had a trolley jack in the back of our ute. So we stayed and helped him and got the spare out from underneath. And they were just really, really lovely old people from the New South Wales Central Coast. And we had a lovely time with them, blessed them, told them God bless them as we left. And even gave them lunch. So I just thank God that we were there for them. Come on, Jesus is doing something. Come on. Um, just the Lord's just been talking to me about fullness, about how we're to walk in the fullness of life. Um, in his presence is fullness of joy, that he doesn't do anything halfway. If, if he's going to heal us, it's not halfway, it's, it's full healing. That everything we do and walk in is to be in the fullness of him, the fullness of his love. Um, yeah, he, he's, you know, he's the author and perfecter, finisher of our faith. He doesn't just take us part the way, but it's, but it's a fullness. It's meant to be a full life lived with Jesus. This is a, a half a story that I've got to tell you today. <laughs> my, two of my sisters came to visit me and they were on their way back from visiting a, a prisoner who is actually in the, um, in the pr- prison at um, Rockhampton. And she's been there since he was 18 years old. For 40 years he's been in jail. He murdered a girl when he was 18. And he's never been able to get out of that jail ever since. There's been a judge that actually came round and looked at the whole situation and said, that boy should not be here, he should be out. And get your paperwork done and get him out. But there's a warden who doesn't, warder who doesn't want him to go and he keeps blocking it with various things. And last night, um, I, I know of a... Um, 
a lawyer or a, a defender in the court who um, I knew that I could I could approach about it and um, and and so I said yes well I will do that and then I went to bed and I was starting to write in my journal and all of a sudden God to me God said to me why didn't you bless him I said what he said why didn't you bless him? You talked about, you, you got that little book of awesome blessings out and you talked about it, talked about it, talked about it and then you come and you ask me to do this and you're going to do this through this other man. What is wrong with you? Well, I leapt out of that bed and I went and Gail and I blessed him with release from the prison and recompense for all of the years that he's done served a double sentence for something like that. And, um, and so um, we really feel like I'm going to have um, something to tell you it, soon, very, very soon, that this poor fellow has been released since he let go and recompensed for all of those years for that. Hi everyone. Hi. Um, I moved out not not long ago. Um, I'm in a new place now. Um, I've just been in this sort of like dark place for the past few years. God's been with me all the way through it, and now I'm in this place, and it's just like this big. Weight's been lifted off me. I don't feel stressed anymore. I just don't feel down anymore and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, thank God. Thank you, God. Hey, uh, so as most of you know, I had knee surgery on Wednesday. Wednesday, yes. This is day four. <laughs> I'm pretty awesome. Um, and Jesus is so awesome. Normally, uh, anesthetic is not my friend at all. Uh, I have trouble waking up. I can go in, you know, in the morning and not be able to wake up till the next day. Blood pressure goes through the floor. Extreme nausea. I talk extreme nausea. Uh, lots of prayer went into this one. And, you know, I woke up in recovery. I mean, I woke up <laughs> in recovery. I'm sitting up in bed. I'm reading my book. I'm like, can I get out of here? <laughs> um, I'd, I had, like, one moment of nausea. They gave me some medication. Then that was it. Like, I woke up. And I was just like, thank you, Jesus. I'm in recovery going, praise you, Jesus. Thank you. I want to get out of here. <laughs> So I just thank God. Thank God for answered prayers. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Um, I just really felt to share what God's doing downtown in Bundaberg on our streets. Um, I don't know if you're aware, but um, uh, Pereira and I and Rebecca and Bruce, um, we've, and also another lady named Diane, <coughs> Uh, we go down on Saturdays and do an outreach at the police beat. And um, 
So we just worship and as the Spirit leads, we preach. And um, God's really been bringing people in for healing. And uh, Bruce, through Bruce, the Lord has healed a few people. And on Saturday, after it was finished, um, there was a lady sitting down. She was actually part of the Salvation Army. I have to tell you that it was the Red Shield appeal on Saturday. So it was in our favour. So we had these people wandering in to give donations and we had cars stopping to give donations. So the word was going out and the, through the song and through the preaching. And uh, But anyway, I, God highlighted this lady. So I just went down and I just spoke with her a bit and... And I said, you know, what are you using the walker for? And she said, oh, I've got a really sore knee. She said, it's very, very stiff and painful. So I said, well, you know, would you like some prayer for that? Yes. Called on Bruce as well, two of us. <laughs> and so, yeah, we prayed for her knee and Bruce said, how's it going now? And she said, wow, it's all gone. <laughs> it's moving, no pain. So, yeah, I just... Um, and just this morning, um, God led us, there's a man that Pray has really been ministering to down there, homeless fellow, and God just really put it on our hearts to go and minister to him this morning. Um, now, one of the things I realised is that they call him Harry. He's known as Harry. But God said to me, find out what his name is, because God calls us by name, and when we recognize our name when we speak to that name we're speaking to the true spirit of that person and it gives them dignity and respect so I did ask him his name and um, he was a little bit embarrassed by it but I said no and I told him that I said God gave you that name because you're important to him anyway he um, as I looked at him he, I noticed he had a you know one of those stiff you know those bandages they're a support thing and I asked him what happened to his hand and he had a great big accident and nearly fell in the river he has a bicycle a tricycle <coughs> so I said oh lucky he didn't end up in the river <laughs> and anyway he had I, you know but I just straight away you know I felt to pray for him and uh, so so I just lay hands on him and um, and I just prayed and I just, the Holy Spirit just came through. And what I realised is as soon as you speak Jesus, as soon as you say that, it doesn't matter how shy you are or if you don't think you have the words, as soon as you speak Jesus, the Holy Spirit just comes through. It really does. And, uh, and the words that came out, I mean, I, I, I spoke not only healing but salvation and healing and deliverance for him. And he was so open because in the morning the Lord had given prayer a scripture um, and that scripture was about the, um, the seed falling on the rich ground, you know, the good soil. And so God had already let us know that what we were going to speak was going to fall on good soil because Pereira had ploughed the ground. He'd been there, he'd befriended him, he'd, you know, he, he was loving on him and it's the love. The love opened his heart to receive what we prayed today. And, um, and I believe, I'm, I believe that that hand's going to be healed. He didn't feel it straight away, but he did stretch out his hand and said, it's better. 
um, a bit better at any way. Um, but it's not about me, my words. It's about what the Lord is doing for that man and to show him that he loves everybody. You know, the most dirty, unkempt, doesn't matter. God absolutely loves that man. And we believe that God's going to use him powerfully because he knows every homeless man on the, on the street. He knows the ins and outs of everything. And it's just, he's going to be used, we know. So God's got us on his case. Amen. The next thing we've got to do is go and give him a pillow. God, <laughs> I, we saw him last night and I said, oh my goodness, he hasn't even got a pillow. And... Uh, so God, this morning, God just showed me a spare pillow in my cupboard and that's when we knew we had to go to him. So yeah, so we've got to deliver a clean pillow. This morning he had a really filthy pillow. And uh, so I didn't give him the pillow. But as we're driving to church today, I looked and I said, you know what, God wants him on a clean pillow. And that's so, it's so prophetic, isn't it? He does want us on clean pillows you know he wants people to know he wants him to know how how beautiful he is in his eyes and that he deserves to be on a clean pillow okay that's it (laughs) oh his name is brian (laughs) amen it's good how's yep yeah just while Vicky's coming up, um, Bonnie and I watched uh, episode five of season two of The Chosen last night. Anyone been watching that with us? A few people. Episode five just came out. And here was this demon-possessed person. And, you know, they were causing all kinds of havoc. And Jesus, you know, as he did in Scripture, just says, come out. And this demon just came out and left this person. And here's John the Baptist, bit of poetic license. He's in the background going, yeah! I'm thinking, you know, that is just it, isn't it? Jesus, the name of Jesus. One word, Jesus. He spoke, come out, and, you know, they were healed and set free. Amen. Hi, I'm Vicky. Um, look, last year we lost Dad in April, and as Dad um, spoke to his sisters, he said to each one of them that God loves them. During the time leading up, Um, We knew Dad's heart was to get his sisters to heaven. So Desley and I have taken it on ourselves. We have nurtured Dad's sisters. Um, It's been a bit of a journey. It's been a lot of trips down to Laidley. It's been to Brisbane. Um, You know, it's been meals with um, the aunt here in Bundaberg. Um, And we have an aunt over in New Zealand. The aunt down in Laidley, Desley and Bruce were able to um, manage to get her to sell and to move closer to Brisbane. On Friday, she rang me and she was very, very distraught. Um, Now, just keep in mind, we're lucky because we are Christians and we know God. We know him with all our heart. Dad's sisters know of God. And that's it. And there are so many people like that. And, and it's only been through this last year and getting, na- getting to now that I realise how many people are just so like that, that everything's just okay 
we live a great life and let's just leave it at that. Well, on Friday when my aunt rang and she was very, very distraught, everything has happened. It's an anniversary of Nana's death. She's moved into Brisbane. Her friends are still out at Laidley. And, you know, she's had to put animals down to make the move. She's 81. I said to her on hanging up, look, Aunty Thelma, it's like this. You may not like what I'm going to say, but it is that I'm going to pray for you when we hang up and I will be continue to praying for you because you need God. She's turned, she, on the other end of the phone, I hear, Vicky, I believe in God. I know I don't always get it right, but right now, he's the only person I've got. So, and in saying that, the double blessing that I got was when Bruce put his hand up to come to New Zealand with us because we've got to work on Dad's youngest sister and her husband who are far removed. So we've got some work to do and it's going to take some prayer but I've taken those words on board that you prayed over me about reconciliation and restoration and I have never stopped. And, and this is just another Amen. step in that. So thank you. Thanks, Vicky. I'm just going to take a few minutes uh, this morning and really this, this morning or in a sense of people sharing and stuff really dovetails into the point that I just wanted to take 10 minutes um, the Lord was accenting to me uh, about today. You know, that God is, God is speaking to his people, amen? He, God is speaking. You know, and I always refer back to those words where Jesus, you know, was, was speaking to the seven churches in Revelation and he would always finish with, let him who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. So God is actually speaking, but the fact is, are uh, we listening? That is the key. God is speaking. Are we listening? You know, because the realisation is that we're not puppets on a string. We're not. You know, and I was thinking about the, one of the verses of Scripture that I was thinking about during the week was out of Joshua when he, when he stood before all the Israelites and he, in a sense, and he charged them and he says, now choose this day whom you will serve. And he says, as, uh, as for me and my household, we will serve, or the word can be also translated worship, we will worship the Lord. As for me and my house, we will worship the Lord. So we're not puppets on a string. So God can, can be speaking, but then we have a response. And what is our response to that? Amen? Because a key part of the shift that is happening in the restoration of new covenant Christianity is that there is a turning and a returning to Jesus. Other things that are lesser kind of fall away and Jesus becomes more. Amen? You know, that's why I just love to sing about Jesus. I love to join with the chorus in heaven that's saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Worthy is the Lord to receive. I don't get tired of those things. I don't get tired of singing hallelujah because, you know, because it's about Jesus. You know, but then Jesus said these words, which are, do we realize that Jesus' words were very confronting? Like Jesus spoke the, the kindest, you know, most tender things to people, but there are other times that he was very 
confronting. And especially to, re- to the religious, he would confront them full on. But I was thinking about this because this is the essence of the gospel, isn't it? He says in uh, Luke, Luke 9, he says, let me go back two verses. He strictly warned them and instructed them to tell no one about this. And he says, it is necessary that the Son of Man would suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, be killed and be raised on the third day. Then he said to them all, if anyone wants to follow after me or come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will save it. The essence of the gospel is that Jesus gave his life for us, not so we can just live a good life, but that we actually follow him all the way, where all of a sudden we die to self. It's not about me and my life and my rights anymore. It's actually about Jesus. And he says, you know what, we, we can't live that life by, by ourselves. So he says, you know what, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, but I'm giving you my spirit. The same spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, I'm placing him in you. And we have a choice to make. Because to me, when I think about Joshua, you know, um, coming before the people and saying, make a choice this day whom you will serve. And then I think about Jesus saying, well, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to die to self. To me, these two passages correlate. Because the root meaning of Joshua and Jesus is both that the Lord saves. There's a correlation between Joshua leading the Israelites into the promised land, crossing the Jordan River with Jesus who makes a way and the veil has been torn and we enter into the promises of God. So to me, they both correlate. But the Lord is putting out a call. And, you know, if you look at history, you've only got to look at the history of the Israelites to see that there was ebbs and flows in history. You know? There would be someone that would stand before the people and say, you know, repent, repent. And the Israelites would turn back to God. And there'd be times of blessing and prosperity and victory. And in certain reigns, there was peace. But then what happens over time is that we forget what what God has done. And so we subtly turn away. And then all of a sudden, again, there needs to be a reminder to turn back. And history shows that mankind turns away from God, but then mankind turns back to God. And sometimes it's in the persecution and the suffering and in the stuff that we don't actually really want to see that we actually turn back to God. And so at this time in the nations, I believe that there is a turning and a returning to Jesus. That the things that have become, you know, primary will become secondary because Jesus will once again become primary. Is anyone with me? Because you read the book of Acts. And you just see a, a, a people that were on fire, that had encountered Jesus, that had been filled with the Spirit. And, you know, their mentality was, we're going to spread this word. We're going to take the gospel. We're going to see lives change. We're going to see. But what you see is the body functioning. It wasn't just left to a few people. It was the body that was functioning. And so this morning, as we've had a few people sharing about, you know, praying and ministering to people, whether it's on the street or whether it's to a family member, you know, whether it's in hospitals or whatever the case is, we have to get a, um, not just an understanding, but we actually need to make a decision, you know what, that I am a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And you can, you can declare that over yourself right now. I'm a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there's probably some people here today, it doesn't matter whether you're, whether you're 10 years old or whether you're 90 years old, it doesn't matter. You're a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's who you are. You see, today's normal Christianity has separated the sacred, the sacred and the secular. There's been a separation of aspects of our life. Well, this part's the God part, and this part's just the other. I could be so bold to say, well, that's the doctrine of demons. There's been a separation, which we've spoken about over time. There's been a separation between clergy and laity. Well, you know, where, where did that ever come from? Because Jesus said, I am amongst you as one who serves. But then people go to the opposite side of the pendulum and say, well, I don't need leaders. Well, you know what? That's unbiblical as well. Because God has given people as leaders. He, he has given people as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip you and to raise you up and to build you and to strengthen you. And at times, yes, guard you and protect you. But the reality is that everyone is a minister. And this is a key aspect because what happens? What, what happens when the body starts to get that revelation? We have more people ministering in their workplace. We have more people ministering in their neighbourhood. We have more people ministering on the street. We have more people ministering wherever you find yourself, in your sports club or wherever. We have more people ministering. And you know what? You can, you can say, well, I, I, I really don't have anything to give. But you have to stop looking at yourself and you look at Jesus because you can give Jesus. There's, it's not just a song we sing, there is power in the name of Jesus. It's actually a truth. It's actually a biblical truth. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. We have to get it from our thinking to our actual, to our doing. That's the battle, you know. That's where the parable of the, the seed that fell, you know, on rocky places or amongst the weeds, you know, that is so, that is, that is so prophetic. Well, obviously, Jesus spoke it, but it continues to be. We have to go from the, from, the, from the speaking of it or the thinking of it to the doing of it. And I think about it, you know, the, the verse of Scripture that I just want to really um, just concentrate on for a couple of minutes. You know, I had a heap of the Scripture verses down there, but I'm not going to go there. Because I think most of us understand the Bible says that we're all graced and we're all gifted. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. Not just the person sitting next to you or the person behind you or the person three rows back, but the, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. It says each one has, has received a gift. Use it to serve others. Use it. Every, every single one of us is graced and every single one of us is gifted. But this is the thing, you know, going back to that vision of tending the fire, have we been tending or are we tending the fire of our first love with Jesus? Or are we just going through the motions of our Christianity? Are we just going through the motions of doing church? Or are we tending the fire of our first love with Jesus? Because things can just suddenly just come in. They suddenly come in. You know, Satan masquerades as an angel of light. So you look at appearance and go, oh, this is really godly. This is really good. But all of a sudden you just find yourself just suddenly turning away from Jesus and before you know it it's like how did I get 
despair. Jesus is the only one who saves. The world doesn't like that, but it's true. This is the verse. For the love of Christ compels us. Do we, do we hear that? For the love of Christ compels us. And we have reached this conclusion. If one died for all, then all died. Remember Jesus said, die to self, take up your cross. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. They've reached, they reached this conclusion that Jesus didn't die, so we can just live an average, normal, worldly, self-centered life, but He died so that we could live for Him. And the outworking of that but, the, but we have to get it into context. The love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ compels us. And so we have to get back to tending the fire. We have to make sure because we can be it's so busy even filling our lives with good things and before we know it, we just run it on empty. Has anyone ever felt like they've been running on empty before? Okay, we've only got, oh, we've got a few people that have been running on empty over time. Okay, you've got to tend the fire. You've got to tend the fire, and it's really, really good sometimes. You know what happens when two sticks start to rub together? The sparks start to fly, and the fire. You know what? That's why the enemy tries to separate people out, because he knows that when people start to rub shoulders with other believers who want the same thing as what they got, the Holy Spirit starts to fan it into flame. So somewhere, we have to make a choice. As Joshua said to the Israelites, choose this day whom you will serve. As Jesus said, you need to make a decision. If you're going to follow me, you're going to take up your cross and follow me. We've got to make a decision, and that decision starts with, I need to tend the fire. And let the love of Christ begin to compel me. Because that's the new covenant. He said, remember, he said, I place my spirit in you. And I will move you to follow my decrees. Where does it come from? It comes from a place of first love. It comes from a place of intimacy. It comes from a place of fellowship with the Spirit. And you are moved to do these things. You are moved to love as He loved. You are moved to see chains broken. You are moved to see people saved. You are moved to see. You are moved to see joy and love and peace happening. You're moved. I don't want that other stuff. That other stuff is yucky. But you've got to tend the fire. You've got to tend the flame. Because, you know, it's really easy today. You know, you might be tending the flame even today and next week. But it's really easy just to settle back and you sit back home and you get on your lounge chair and you pull the, the well, actually nowadays you've got buttons. You can press buttons. You don't even have to pull the lever anymore. You just press the button and it's just electronic. It just comes up. There'll probably be Wi-Fi soon. It'll probably be on your phone. And you, Anyway, that's another story. But you start to just, you flick the TV on just because you want to kill time. And before you know it, you've just wasted two hours. 
And then you do it again the next day, and then you do it again the next day, and you do it again the next day, and you do it again the next day. And before you know it, what on earth is going on? You've got to tend the flame. You've got to tend the flame. You know, because what happens when you tend the flame is you don't want the other stuff. When you're tending the flame, you turn the TV on and, you, and there's a show on and you go, oh, that's horrible. I don't want to watch that. That's a good litmus test, isn't it? Of where the flame is, of what's going on with, with you and Jesus because your eyes can't watch stuff on TV anymore. Your ears can't hear stuff on TV anymore. You don't want to listen to just worldly radio and all that kind of other stuff. You want to listen to stuff that edifies and exalts and glorifies Jesus. Amen? So two things as the music team comes forward today. One is tend the flame. That's the heart. As the Spirit moves you to follow the love of Christ compels you. The love of Christ compels you. His love that you have received. It says in Scripture, in Romans, it says the love of God has been shed abroad into our hearts through the Spirit of God. Oh. The love of God has been shed abroad into your hearts. It's been poured out into your hearts through the Holy Spirit. Tend to flame, tend to fire. Sometimes it's a battle, but you've got to make a decision. Just as the Israelites had to make a decision, just as the disciples had to make a decision, just as people throughout history and the ages have had to make a decision, we've got to make a decision because you know what happens when you don't make a decision? It ends up being a no. There is no, there is no middle ground. It's let, it's let your yes be yes and let your no be no. There's actually no middle ground. So when you don't say yes, you've actually said no. So make the decision today. Make the decision in your home. Make, make, make the decision with your family. Make a decision in your car. Make a decision to tend the flame of Jesus and to let His love, because the word that I got 17, 18 years ago was that God wanted to bring a love revival. He wanted to see his love manifested in such a way. Yes, there would be power. There would be signs and wonders and miracles. But the foundation of that was the love of God. And just as Paul said, for the love of Christ compels us, that the love of Christ would compel us to pray for one another, to love one another, to help one another, to share with other people, to bless other people in Jesus' name. Oh, And the second point, you are called to minister. You are called to the ministry. It's not just for a few. It's for everyone who is called upon the name of the Lord and is saved. You've got something to give to other people. And in fact, when people don't fellowship with other Christians, you know what? It actually robs the church. It actually robs the people because we're not actually receiving from them. They're thinking about themselves. I don't need to fellowship with anyone. But you know what? We're actually missing out as well. When I say we, I'm not talking about just restorations here. I'm talking about the church. 
we're missing out as well because they've got something that we need. Part of the body is not connected. Part of the body is not functioning as it's meant to. Something's not quite right. But every one of you here today, God just wants to encourage you and go, I have anointed you and I have appointed you and I have graced you. But you've got to make a decision. Because that's the overflow. Because we can have good meetings, we can have great times of worship. But if we don't have the overflow, we're missing the essence of the restoration of New Covenant Christianity. That is that we are the hands and the feet and the mouthpiece of Jesus. Just think about Jesus. He says, I have come that you would have life and it would be abundant. Are we living in the fullness of that abundance yet? Is there more? There is more. So we're just going to put our eyes on Jesus. We're going to fix our eyes on Jesus. That anything else that would try to come and distract us would just be removed. That He would have His way in our hearts, that He would have His way in our lives. Because that's what happens if you're really praying those prayers and say, Jesus, I need you more. Jesus, I need you more. You know what? He actually takes those prayers and he actually moves. He makes you more humble. He gets rid of pride. He rips out pride and he makes you more humble. He rips out self-centeredness and he gives you a heart of love. He does it. He's working on people from the inside out. And we are blessed to see people's lives being transformed. Amen? That brings so much joy to a father's heart to see transformation of people from the inside out. Remember the spirit of religion, and we stand against that spirit of religion, don't we? Who wants to stand against that spirit of religion? The spirit of religion that wants to remove the Holy Spirit from the church, and you can't actually be the church without the Holy Spirit. But the spirit of, you know, the spirit of religion that tries to remove the Holy Spirit but the spirit of religion that also tries to take what's meant to be a lifestyle to turn it into a vent. So you have tick box Christianity. I've gone to the prayer meeting. Tick, I don't need to pray anymore. I've given my tithes or offerings today. Tick, I don't need to give anymore. I've just sung a few songs in worship. I don't need to worship. No, no, no. It's all meant to be a lifestyle. And as we gather together, this is the place of overflow. Because we come from a life of worship to worship together. We come from a life of giving and we give together. We come from a life of loving and we love together. This should be like the volcanic center. This should be like a volcano. We come together and we rub in shoulders and there's something that starts to happen. It gets a bit hot and the lava starts to run. And we take it with us. That's what it is. We take Jesus. Oh. So, Lord, we pray today that any distractions will be cast aside. That anything that's been in the way, God, would just be removed. Lord, we pray today that for all of us, we would make a choice and say, Lord, I need you more. We'd make a choice to tend the flame. We'd make a choice. Oh, Jesus, we fix our eyes on you, Lord. 
fix our eyes on you, Jesus. We fix our eyes on you, Jesus. Oh, we fix our eyes on you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, we fix our eyes on you, Jesus. Come on, let's just begin to worship Him. Oh, remember, it's about the position of your heart. It's about the position of your heart that you would.